The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Empower Radio presents The Miracle of Healing with Lisa Campion. Meet healers, learn different modalities, and hear empowering stories of people on their healing journey. The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Lisa Campion. I'm Lisa Campion, and thanks so much for joining us on The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio, where we come together every week to discuss all different types of healings, and that's something the world needs a lot of these days. I would say this every week, now more than ever, and every week it seems like it's still more than ever. So if you're new to my show, just really want to welcome you. Thanks for being here. And if you've been coming along for a while now, then thanks for coming back. Do you think you're an empath? can be so overwhelming to be sensitive in today's world, to be a highly sensitive person, to be an empath. And so we need more help from people like author and healer Jennifer Moore. I'm super excited to have her on the show today and to really jump into this conversation about exploring our empathic natures, our sensitive natures, and and what, what do we need to do to continue to step into that in an empowering way, not feel overwhelmed or exhausted by it. So um, Jennifer, is she's the author of this book called Empathic Mastery that we're going to be talking about today. And she's also an intuitive mentor and master trainer for EFT International. She's been helping empaths, creatives, and light workers for many, many years to help them understand their sensitive nature and help control the empathic overwhelm that keeps them stuck in life and in business and harness their abilities so that they can we can all live in the world um it powerfully and happily so thanks so much for being here today jennifer oh thank you so much for having me lisa it is such a pleasure to be here yeah i mean i i just we've talked about this you know before um yeah and i just love this topic you know it's dear near and dear to my heart and i love your take on it um and um, I'm just wondering if we could just start um, with learning a little bit about how who you are and how you got into talking about this topic. I'm sure that you're a person that's identified yourself as yes. a half. Yes, I definitely identified myself. So my name is Jennifer Moore, and I am the author of the book Empathic Mastery, as you had mentioned. And I've had a long and checkered past coming to understand how being highly sensitive and actually not just empathic, but an empath has really been affecting my life. And ever since I was a really, really little kid, I have been called too sensitive, overreacting, taking things too personally, you know, just having people just say, just let it go, just get over it, stop worrying about it, you've got an overactive imagination. And the thing was that by the time I was nine years old, my overactive imagination was starting to come true. And I had one of my very first experiences of a prophetic dream when I was nine, when I dreamed that my mom died and my sort of first BFF's mother, who lived at that point many states away, died that night. And so I kind of knew there was something to it, but I didn't necessarily understand that being an empath means that you feel the energy, the thoughts, the feelings, the sensations of the world around you, but you feel them as if they are your own. And right. so I was often struggling with feelings of anxiousness, of blueness, of just sort of feeling 
discombobulated and wonky and weird and just not knowing why it was happening. And so as a result of this, I found myself turning to self-soothing and sugar was my primary drug of choice and way of managing this because when I ate sugar, I temporarily felt better. And and sort of long story short, that 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 self-soothing coping mechanism led me to making big lifestyle changes, <coughs> giving up the sugar. And eventually that led me into my entire journey of, of personal healing and recovery. And what that led me to was working with an amazing therapist when I was a lot younger who started to help me understand that so much of my distress wasn't even mine. And that journey has been, it's been, this is a journey that I've been on for at this point in time, like 30 years. And I've really come to see how profoundly being an empath affects every single aspect of our life. And we can find ourselves shooting ourselves in the foot over and over again yeah. if we don't recognize that picking up the thoughts, feelings, energy, and sensations of the world around us deep, you know, like affects absolutely everything. So yeah. that's that's the Cliff Notes version of a very long story. And you can read all about it in my book. So that's great. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I love like right before we started rolling, uh, rolling today, you and I were talking about um, the difference between having empathy, feeling empathy and being an empath. And I think yes. this is a really important part of the conversation because there is a distinction between the two. And being an empath is more, is a much, it's almost to me like a subspecies of humanity or yes. sort of like, you know, a different kind of type of person rather than just the ability to be empathic, which, you know, is sort of a psychological you know, ability to put ourselves in other people's shoes and feel sympathy and compassion for them. But, um, but let's let's talk about that. So, tell me what you think about that. So, I I've been really thinking a lot about this because you know ter these terms like empathic, empath seem to be just thrown around a lot. And so, my understanding is empathy. The word empathy means the capacity to identify with, to put ourselves in somebody's shoes and to compassionately understand what somebody else is going through. But the thing about the word empathy is that having empathy means that you understand that you are not the person going through that experience, mm -hmm. that that person is going through that experience. And you have a capacity for sort of a separation and a detachment that allows you to have compassion that allows you to have love, that allows you to express, you know, and, and, and to just really approach that, but recognizing the separation of self and other. And the words empathy, I'm not empathy, the words empathize or empathetic are basically, interestingly, both mean exactly the same thing and came into the language within a couple, like something like 50 to 100 years of each other. But the words empathetic and empathy and, and empathic both mean a human being with the capacity for empathy. So being high, you know, being empathic means that you have the capacity to empathize, you know, to empathize with somebody, to see what they're going through, to, to acknowledge that experience. 
Empath, on the other hand, which is just for the record, not a clinical term. This is a term that came from the science fiction world. The word originally came from the um, Scottish science fiction writer. And I always get it. It's like somebody Macintosh. I'm sorry, sir. I forget your first name right now. But the book was called or the short story was called The Empath. And it was the first time that the term was used. And the term was referring to um, a, a person with supernatural abilities who had the ability to both feel what other people were feeling, but also to apparently influence or manipulate what other people were feeling as well. Mm. And that was the first exposure of the word. So it came out of the science fiction word world. Then it got popularized, popularized by Star Trek and by the yes. original Star Trek episode, The Empath with Gem. My name, my initials happen to be Gem. So it like dinged me. And again, we saw this idea of a person who has the capacity to pick up the thoughts, the feelings, the energy, the sensations of, and of all of the stuff that is going on in the world around us. And I would say that this is commonly the understanding that most people have about what it means to be an empath. It means that you feel what other people are feeling. And for some empaths, it goes way past human beings. It can be feeling what the animals are feeling. It could be feeling the geopathic stress in an area. It could be feeling the plants. It could be feeling the entire planet. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, some empaths are so sensitive that they can be picking up not only stuff from the present, they can be picking stuff up in the past. They can be picking stuff up in the future. And so, and, and, when you're completely immersed in these emotions, it can be really, really hard to distinguish between what is me, what am I actually experiencing, and what am I just picking up from the world around me? So yeah. that those are the two definitions. I, and, it's so yeah. good. And I, I mean, I, because I, I'm a psychic teacher and I started my life, you know, as a psychic and do, teaching people psychic skills, like to me, um, empath was a psych one of the psychic abilities one of the type of way psychic ways we receive information along the feeling channels um and and I, i've never met an empath that wasn't completely psychic mm -hmm, i've met mm -hmm. psychics that weren't empaths but yes you know i've um but i've never met empaths that didn't have a kind of complete um catalog of psychic abilities so you know, I mean, that's not also not a clinical. I mean, it's certainly an observational opinion right. that I have from like working with a ton of people over the years. But it's you know, and th and I was also thinking a lot too, like about the distinction we make between highly sensitive people, the highly sensitive person, and the empath. Mm -hmm. And to me, that the highly sensitive person is like a nervous system thing. Like yes. so, she's um, Dr. Aaron is talking about who coined that term. She's talking about people who have like very sensitive nervous systems and um and sensory integration problems and that kind of thing and i think that there are people who identify themselves as highly sensitive people but not empaths mm -hmm. and people who see that they have qualities of both so yes. some kind of overlapping thing so yes. if we throw the, the highly sensitive person into the mix how do you how do you where do you put that on the map so i think you know as you were saying you've you've 
in the work that you've done, you've met psychics who are not empaths, but pretty much all the empaths are psychics. And I just want to throw out a thought as you were saying this about you were noticing that they have sort of the whole complement of psychic abilities. My theory is that the reason that empaths tend to have multiple, like the clairvoyance, clairaudience, all of the different things yep. is because we receive information often through the channel of whatever it is that is sending it to us. So if somebody else is a really visual person, we're going to probably have visual information. If somebody's more of an auditory person, we might have the auditory information. Mm. And so I think that the thing about being an empath is that we're so plugged in to so many different things that we have access not only to our own natural tendencies, but to the tendencies of the thing that is that is sort of giving us information. So that's kind of my theory about it. And cool. I would I, I would absolutely theory. agree with you that that I've ab I, because one of the things that I actually see is sort of a slight difference between empath and psychic is that I think psychics generally can still separate themselves from other and empaths often, unless they've done a lot of work, have a hard time distinguishing between self and other. And I think that in my experience, most empaths I've met are highly sensitive. But like you said, all highly sensitive people are not necessarily empaths. Yeah. And, you know, like I have yet to meet an empath who doesn't have some kind of sensory processing issue. And, you know, especially when they're already experiencing empathic overwhelm and have taken on too much. But I yeah. think that, you know, I think that the whole thing in many ways is very much a spectrum and that you have sort of on one side of the spectrum, the, you know, for lack of a better term, the psychopaths who have absolutely or sociopaths who have ab actually I think it's sociopath who have absolutely no regard for anybody except for themselves and no real capacity for empathy at all. And then you have on the absolute other side, these people who are such extreme empaths that they they have that their sense of their bearing in space and time is completely lost because they just are absorbing so much information and energy constantly. And I think most of us fall somewhere, you know, kind of on the in bell the middle, curve of the yeah, middle. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I get that. It's kind of like that um, empath, energy, vampire, you know, empath, yes. narcissist, narcissist and energy vampires are sort of the same, same people yes. often. Um, you know, that, that there's kind of a polarity there. So if you're, however far you are on the empath side of things, you probably have attract people that are the opposite, your opposite number on the narcissist psychopath thing. And so we all, we have to learn how to deal with that for sure. Absolutely. Um, that's yeah. really challenging for empaths. It absolutely. And I mean, you know, the whole conversation, I mean, you know, give me give me three hours and you and I could be talking about empaths and narcissists for the entire time because yep. I, you know, it is such a lethal combination. And, you know, the thing that I want to say is that it makes, it has always made a great deal of sense to me because I have known so many mostly female empaths married to male narcissists with and ultimately with kids, which generally is the sort of the thing that gets added to the equation that turns everything upside down. But what I've seen is that the thing about the empath and narcissist relationship at the very beginning is that it is a match made in heaven. It is absolutely divine because the narcissist is 
is like just absolutely is glorified in the in the attention that the empath is giving them and the narcissist really experiences delight and pleasure in showering the empath with praise and love and affection the empath being plugged in and picking up the thoughts feelings and energy coming from the narcissist feels this intoxicating attraction and love is completely sucked into the the just how good it feels and both both of them are basically in this amplified sort of I'm in love and this is awesome feeling um, because that is coming that's sort of being generated by both of them. But, you know, the, the empath is this reflection of how awesome the narcissist is and the and the empath feels all of this really positive energy. And this is a this is a honeymoon period that can last for upwards of years. What I've seen is so many times, it isn't until children show up or some other major big priority shows up and the empath goes, wait a second, I need to pivot. I've got other things to do that the narcissist feels neglected or abandoned. And then suddenly the tables start to turn yeah. and it can go really sour yes. and it becomes really unfortunate. Yeah, totally. And I mean, yeah, that's story of my life right there. Uh, but I, I also feel like there's a um, potential healing opportunity. Absolutely. Um, for, you know, that the, the empath has the, the ability to help a narcissist really open their heart. Mm -hmm. And the, narciss the narcissist will, by hook or by crook, force us into learning how to set better boundaries. Yes. <laughs> you know what Absolutely. I mean? It's, it's like whether you want to or not, you're going to have to deal with that. And that, you know, if we take a step towards narcissism and become in, in the middle, what psychologists call healthy narcissism, which is really just having a good sense of self, yeah. self-esteem and, you know, putting ourselves first. And if they can take a step towards us and open their hearts and become more empathic, then mm -hmm. there, there's some really cool potential for healing. It doesn't always go that way, but it doesn't always go that way. But the potential yeah. is there, I think. I agree. The and I've actually seen some relationships where the more narcissistic partner actually really does develop a heart and develop a capacity for um, for for more mutual engagement and everything. And I totally agree with you that the work of the empath in this is about having more of a sense of self and more boundaries. And that that's one of the things about being so sensitive is that you know, and depending on the environment that we grew up in, we may or may not have any true sense of who we actually are. Because, you know, it took I and I'll just say that I grew up with a a very intelligent, very emotionally high strung mother. And it took me years being away from her to actually start to distinguish and recognize what was my stuff, what was my natural inclination, and what was hers. Because we, as empaths, we can experience things so immersively that it can be really hard to recognize who we are in the equation. And I think that with narcissists, um, you know, they have such a strong personality, like they've got such a strong North star that it's like as an empath, we can kind of hook our star to, to, or, you know, I don't know, mm -hmm. like, like, you know, set our, yep. you know, set our guidepost towards their star. And there's a lot of um, safety in that 
in the sense that it gives us a sense of like it gives us a, a there's there's sort of a like gravitational a pull, in a way. like a, belong a belonging yeah, yeah. Uh, and and a gravitational pull like like the narcissist can kind of function almost as like the gps or the coordinates right. yeah. give us a purpose for being and yes you know and i think that there's been a lot laid at the narcissist doorstep here for being shape-shifty but i've also seen empaths be very shape-shifty oh, yeah. because they they will morph into whatever their their narcissist partner parent child needs them to be in order to maintain the connection so there, there's two shape-shifty kind of people um going on there and that's why i think when we get a, some separation from our from those people we need we were like i don't know who i am because who i was was it was like a binary star system. I'm orbiting around you. You're my North Star. And I don't know who I am without that. I don't know who I am. And when you have people who are literally picking up the thoughts, feelings, and energy and sensations that are coming from the world or from the people around them, and they don't know the difference, because that's one of the things I've seen as being one of the biggest challenges about being an empath is the inability at first to distinguish what am I, what's mine and what's not mine, is that if you you're used to feeling other people's feelings and sort of thinking other people's or, you know, having thoughts that are through the filter of other people's perspective and perception. You really, it can be very confusing to even know who am I outside of all the noise that I've been absorbing my entire life. Right. Totally. And it, I think that's, you know, that's, the catch 22 there that I've seen is that if we don't know who we are, we can't always tell that, like, you can't answer the question, is this me or not me, if you don't know who, what's you. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And there's a certain, I, I know that it took me a while to get comfortable with solitude and quiet because I was so comfortable with sort of being immersed in the emotional soup that it's kind of like, I don't know if you, you ever heard the stories of people who they live in the inner city and then they go out to the country and it is so, it is so disorienting to be in the silence that it's actually like jarring. Right. And I think that that's the thing about those of us who have are used to being around a certain amount of mental, emotional, and psychic noise, that when we actually start to remove ourselves, it can feel really uncomfortable and can feel really lonely at first. It's totally. We, we kind of have to unplug, right? Yeah. You know, from all those things, from all those relationships and situations we're in that have been defining us. And then we go through that, I don't know who I am phase. It's, it's quite painful, you know, but good. Like, Oh, when we get through that, that's where it's really probably good to get a therapist or a healer or a mentor or read your incredible book, Empathic Mastery. Let's talk about your book a little bit. Awesome. So, awesome. Um, let's take a look at, at um, Elizabeth's book, Empathic Mastery. And um, here it is. And it's, it's chock full of really practical steps, right? Of yes. how we yes. can, um, how we can actually manage our, our, our sensitivity in a better way. Yes. So the book is broken into two parts. The first part is talking about what's an empath, why are we the way we are. Um, I talk about or share some of the information around like mirror neurons, which me, you know, which is literally that empaths tend to have more mirror neurons, which yeah. is a part of the brain that reflects uh, other people, like picks up on and sort of mirrors other pe people's experience. Um, I talk about and you know just a bunch of different information about this is you know how do we get here? What does this mean? 
routine. And then the second half of the book is the five-step system basically to go from emotional hot mess to thriving success. And that is a five-part system which starts with recognize, which is what's mine, what's not mine, and then um, release, which is all about letting go of the stuff that is no longer serving us, that isn't wasn't ours in the first place. Then um, what I have discovered is that it actually helps, you know, we don't just start by putting up a bubble of light. Protect comes in the middle because if you don't deal with recognizing and releasing, doesn't matter how much of a bubble of light you put up around yourself, you're going to have a bunch of stuff going on on the inside. Really? So protect is the third step. Then connect, which is about connecting to a source power greater than ourselves. The universe abhors a vacuum. So when we focus on bringing in positive energy, we are less likely to reattract negative energy or difficult stuff. Right. So so that is the third, the third, I mean, the fourth step is connect. And then the fifth step is act, which has to do with boundaries, with um, behavior, and really making new choices about how do we live our life in a way that really, really allows us to thrive and use our gifts to make a difference in the world, as opposed to just drowning in the emotional, empathic, psychic soup. Totally. And I feel like until we find these empowerment tools like you have in your yeah. work, we empaths feel very victimized. Can Absolutely. feel really like the world is doing it. It's getting me. And yeah. I felt that way too for much of my life until I learned how to how to do um do the energy management stuff. So um so there's some beautiful empowerment that we do can do when we get skilled up like that. But if people wanted to work with you how could they do that? Let's take a look at your website, empathicmastery.com. Awesome. And this is how people find you if they want to. Yes, this is you. how people can find me. You can come on over to empathicmastery.com. And there's all kinds of things. If you look up at the top, you says, join my Facebook group. That is my free Facebook group where I offer monthly master classes right around the full moon every month. And I really give solid tools. You know, this is all about helping people to really start taking control of their life, start moving from empathic overwhelm. And so that's one of the first places you can also check out the book here. And you can also check out the section that says work with me. I have both groups and also do one on one work with people as well as train other people how to be spectacular EFT practitioners. Oh, so all kinds of stuff here. Just check out the website, which is as you can see down there, empathicmastery.com. That's so good. Jennifer Moore, thank you so much for being with us today. And um, no, I'm sure this is a big help for, for everybody that's listening. And um, your book is beautiful and the work that you're doing in the world is beautiful. So um, thank you for all that. Thank you so much, Lisa. It has been truly a pleasure to be here. And I just, I really appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation with somebody who really gets it. Mm, so fun. We could, yeah. I feel like we could talk all day. I know we could talk all day. Yeah. <laughs> and awesome. thanks all of you for joining us in this amazing conversation where we could talk all day. Um, thank you for being here with us. If you want to visit me, come by my website, lisacampion.com. I got a lot of a lot of stuff up there for free and all kinds of um, for psychics, empaths and healers training up your skills since it's my uh, my life purpose to create an army of healers out in the world. We need we, we need to do that. That's my my goal. So come and by and visit. And thanks for joining us today um, here on the Miracle of Healing, where we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Empower Radio. Mm -hmm.
Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.